What's up and welcome to Ask Father Josh, the podcast where I get to listen to your questions, pray with them, and hopefully respond in such a way that it's helpful for you to become a saint in your walk toward eternity. Here's how the show goes. You hit me up with three to five questions dealing with anything and everything from morality, spirituality, evangelization, discipleship, catechesis, the interior life, prayer, fasting, study, uh, acts of justice, works of charity, whatever it might be, I will sit with your questions, I will pray with them, I will study, and I will try to respond in a way that is good for you to become a saint. However, my disclaimer is this, I'm not perfect. Therefore, the advice that I share with you might not actually be good for you. If that's the case, then I want to give you the freedom to reject whatever it is that I say that does not help you to become a saint. However, if my advice is helpful but difficult, then please lean into Jesus Christ in prayer and in the scriptures and in the sacraments so that God can give you the graces that you may need to fulfill the demands of discipleship. If you're a first-time listener, you can hit me up with your own questions at AskFatherJosh at AscensionPress.com or www.AscensionPress.com slash AskFatherJosh, spell out Ask, A-S-K-F-A-T-H-E-R-J-O-S-H. You can also rate us and review us on itunes and other podcast formats you can send me your comments questions critiques and you can share us on your social media pages so that other people can find out about the show if you want to stay connected with me you can uh, order my book broken and blessed an invitation to my generation my other book pocket guide to adoration and my new book that i co-authored with father mike schmidt's pocket guide to the sacrament of reconciliation that's a lot um but yeah so uh, that's that. On today's show, what are we going to talk about? Today's show, we're going to talk about a priest's perspective on confession. We're going to also address accepting or not accepting new leadership in the White House and how to practically fight thoughts of temptation. Temptation. <clears throat> Let me see what's the temptation. Uh, temptations are calling, but you know nothing around. All right, so before we get into those questions, I want to share with you a glory story. I literally just drew a blank. I had a glory story I wanted to share, and I, uh, yeah, hmm. What's on my mind right now? What's on my mind right now is uh, this past week I was uh, I got to celebrate mass for my mom and my dad. And anytime I get to celebrate mass for my parents, that's always a great gift. Uh, as many of you know, my dad is Methodist AME, African American Methodist Episcopalian. My mom's Catholic, and and so my dad um he put together a chapel for me. It's not a real chapel, but it's like a prayer room in the backyard of their house, and so. When I go home, I celebrate Mass there, and so I was able to celebrate Mass for them. My my parents don't get out that much, um, and so uh, it, it was just a gift to be able to celebrate the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass for them. Uh, my father is a singer, and he sings way better than me. Clearly, I don't sing well. I know. You don't have to judge me. My dad does sing really, really good, though, and uh, and so he sang all the hymns uh, for the Mass and my mother participated in worship at the Mass. And uh, yeah, it was just really, really beautiful. And I'm super grateful for those memories, uh, for those experiences of getting to worship with my mom and with my dad. So, so grateful for that. Um, but yeah, that's my glory story. I'm, just, I'm grateful that I still 
am able to to be with them um, for worship. Yeah, huge gift. So before we get into the topics of the day, I want to share with you some feedback. Feedback comes in from Joshua. Joshua says, your weekly podcast is one of the highlights of my week. Thank you for all you do as a priest, not only in your parish ministry, but also as a vocations director. I'm currently discerning the priesthood, and I plan to apply to seminary in the fall of 2021. God bless you, Father. From Josh, yeah, Josh, I will pray for you as you discern God's plan for your life. Uh, God loves you very much. He definitely has a plan for you. He wants you to be a saint. And if the priesthood is your path to holiness, then I pray that you persevere and that you abide with Jesus in such a way that wherever you go, people will fall in love with the Lord just by being in your presence. Let me drink some water. My throat is kind of parched. And uh, and after I drink this water, we're going to jump into the show. Water's not as good as coffee, but it is it is really good. I like water a lot more now than I did when I was a kid. All right, first question is about confession. These are my confessions. Comes in from Joanna. Joanna, Joanna, Joanna's on my podcast. And Joanna writes this. Can you give us the priest's point of view of reconciliation? I know how it feels to be in the confessor's chair. But I've always wanted to know how it feels to be in the priest chair listening to the sins. How do you prepare for confession? How do you feel during and after confession? Has a confession ever left you exhausted? Have you ever felt Jesus' presence when you absolve sins? Joanna, yeah, that's a lot of questions that I'm going to try to tackle each one. So priest point of view, number one, it's just a privilege. It is a privilege to have been invited by God to serve the church as a priest. I mean, the priesthood is such a gift. I cannot say this enough. I am so unworthy and I am so grateful that God has invited me to participate in in this beautiful sacrament uh, as a priest. I have been able to accompany people who um, were very far away from God, who had strayed from Jesus and were just not in a good place. And by the just the grace of God, uh, we're able to to find freedom in Christ Jesus, to be reconciled with the Lord. Um, and I've just seen so much growth happen whenever people finally bring their sins to the confessional that they've kept hidden for many years. So I consider it a great privilege and an honor. And it's just, yeah, so, so, so beautiful. It's so beautiful. Such a reverent sacrament. Uh, I prepare by... Um, asking my angel to to pray for me and to the person who's coming to confession. I ask St. Padre Pio quite often and a number of other confessor saints like St. John Vianney uh, to also be by my side, Father Augustus Tolton, to intercede for me and the penitent uh, that they may have a, a good confession where they're able to bring everything that is in their heart and on their mind to the light of Jesus Christ so that they can receive God's love and mercy. I uh, have been exhausted before. It's not not common to be exhausted. I, I typically live by a, a structured rule of life. I love order. I am not a fan of chaos. I'm not a fan of disorder. I like order. I'm very monastic in my rule of life. I like to live by a calendar. I like to pray at certain times. 
I like to work. I mean, everything for me, I love order, but obviously uh, that's just not reality. I have a lot of things that happen that are unexpected on a daily basis, whether it's a phone call or a visit or uh, an emergency. But uh, so with that being said, when I'm able to live by order, uh, I, I'm typically not exhausted at all. But I have done like 24 hours of mercy where I've heard confessions for 12 hours, 15 hours, up to not 24 hours straight, but on a number of occasions I've done that where I've done like six hours or 12 hours or 15 hours or whatever, nonstop. And yeah, definitely. I'm a human being and I have limitations and I I do get tired. Yeah, for sure. But it's still a great gift. And uh, finally, have I ever felt God's presence in a powerful way? So certainly, whether I feel it or not, I am acting in the person of Christ in the sacrament of reconciliation. There have been moments, though, in my priesthood where I have, in a very tangible way, perceived the Father's delight, the Father's delight in His beloved, and I've been brought to tears, I've been filled with joy, I have uh, been very much aware that the Holy Spirit is present in a very powerful way, that God's love and mercy is operative in and through my yes and the penitence, yes, to bring their sins to the light in a very powerful way. And so those experiences aren't common, but when I do have them, I acknowledge them. And I'm so grateful that he allows me to perceive like the just the joy of the joy of the Father in heaven, the joy of the angels and saints who rejoice to participate in that in some level um, while I'm here on earth. So yeah, confession. It's awesome. So please, if you haven't been to confession and you're listening to the show, please come. Please come to confession. If you're in my area, please come. Father Joseph Vu is here at my parish. I'm here at the parish. He's a phenomenal confessor. Uh, I enjoy hearing confessions. <laughs> so yeah, just come and bring your sins to Jesus. I go to confession once a week. I uh, I do this because I just like to abide in God's grace and I don't like to hurt Jesus, and even venial sins I recognize hurt Jesus, and so it's just good to bring everything to the light. Um, yeah, praise God for the confessional. Praise God. All right, to go from the beauty of the sacrament to the messiness of politics. The next question comes in from Liz. Liz writes this: It's about accepting new leadership. With the inauguration of President Biden and VP Harris, I've noticed a lot of Catholics are putting them down and being very critical on social media. I totally get that they are not pro-life, which is a struggle for me. Am I in the wrong for accepting the presidency and accepting democracy? I'm excited we have made history with the woman VP, but I'm really struggling with my fellow Catholics. Or am I wrong, Liz? Liz, that's a, a great question. I mean, yeah, I think all of us can can notice on social media that um, whether it was under the uh, presidency of, of George W., uh, President Barack Obama, President Donald Trump, uh, now President Joseph Biden, uh, there will be Catholics on social media who are very critical. Uh, the thing is this, I think that uh, if we're going to be critical, we must ask ourselves this question, have I prayed for this person? And have I fasted for this person's conversion? Reality is this. When President Bill Clinton was in office, he had some, some good agendas and he had some evil agendas that he supported. Whenever President Bush was in office, he had some good agendas and he had some evil agendas. 
Whenever President Barack Obama got in office, he had some good agendas and some evil ones. When President Donald Trump was in office, he had some good ones and some evil ones. And now we have President Joe Biden. And I'm sure he will have some good things to bring to the table, but he also has some evil that he supports. As Catholics, it is our responsibility to affirm that which is good and true and beautiful, to praise God for that, to ask for the Holy Spirit, to inspire them to, to continue to do the good, whatever good they have done and are doing. But also we have a responsibility whenever there's mortal sin, whenever there's like intrinsically evil things that are being promoted or supported uh, or sustained by leadership in our country, we also have a, a responsibility to, in addition to affirming the good, to calling out the bad and to inviting them to repent. It's biblical to do this. Whenever Nathan saw that David was in serious sin because of his adulterous affair with Bathsheba, Nathan approached him and he called him out. He called him out. The prophets did this in the, in the scriptures. The prophets like Jonah, he called the people of Nineveh out. Uh, Jesus Christ himself flipped tables. So it's, it's good to highlight the good and to affirm the good. Like there legitimately were good things that President Clinton did when he was in office. There were some good things that Bush did. There were some good things that President Obama did. There were some good things that President Trump did. And there are going to be some good things that President Biden and Vice President Harris do. Praise God for whatever good has been done and is being done and will be done. Praise God. Let's affirm it. Let's acknowledge it. But let's also not turn a blind eye to evil. Whenever any of our leadership in our nation participates in, supports, and or promotes or tolerates evil, it is our responsibility to bring it to the light. That way they become aware if by some reason they were not aware. That way other people can become aware to pray and to fast for them and to write letters to Congress and to their senators and to their to lawmakers to invite them to change. Uh, but also when we bring sin to the light for anybody, it gives those people an opportunity to repent, to be reformed, and to make reparation, to make whatever wrongs they have done, make them right. And so, yeah, if you find that Catholics on social media are putting them down and being critical, I think being critical of any president is fine as long as we are also praying for them and fasting for them and hoping for their conversion, hoping for them to become a saint, as long as we are, are praying that the angels protect whatever good they're doing, but also that their guardian angels and that the saints intercede for them, that they have conversions. We've never had any president in this country's history who has any president thus far uh, who's ever been canonized as a saint and uh, who, who's ever been canonizable in their their policies object like in general like they've they've all done some good here and some bad it would be a really beautiful thing if we could have a president while he or she is in office who has an encounter with christ like saint paul where they literally are totally converted to Jesus Christ in their mind, in their thinking, and in their actions, that where they totally surrender to the church in all of her beautiful teachings, whether it's the church's teachings on racial justice, whether it's the church's teachings on uh, education and healthcare, whether in work on abortion and marriage and family life, euthanasia, capital punishment, whether it's the church's teachings on any, like if we, it would be so powerful. And I think it's possible to have uh, that happen. If, if we can commit as, as a nation to doing a lot of prayer and a lot of fasting for the leaders who are our mayors, who are our senators, who are our governors, who are on the Supreme Court, the vice president, the president, 
uh, all the above. I believe that it's so possible. And, uh, and I also believe it's important for us to, while we critique others, which we should, again, affirm the good, but, but call out the bad. And there is good to be affirmed and there is bad to be um, called out. But to also not get so caught up in looking out there at others, I find this to be so true. Sometimes I on social media, I, I see people who are super, super critical, uber critical of politicians. But then I look at their other posts and their other posts are promoting serious sin. Like they're, they're going, they're participating in, in, in weddings outside of the church to people who uh, have been married and divorced without an annulment. And they're going to those weddings and they, and they support um, getting drunk on the weekends and they gossip about people and they use terrible language. And then they, then they go out and they, they do these posts about politicians. I'm like, well, look, you know, like if you're going to, if you're going to criticize them, it's fine. Like we need to bring it to light, but also like, don't just focus on the splinter in their eye while missing the log on your own. So anytime we're critical of others, we also need to be very clear that we're looking in the mirror because uh, it would be a sad day for any disciple of Jesus Christ to call others to repentance and then to still go to hell because we haven't repented and uh, been reformed ourselves. We haven't tried to make adequate reparation ourselves in our walk toward eternity. So, yeah. Uh, and as far as yeah, being excited about the history with the woman VP, yeah, I think that there is something to say whenever we we want to again uh, acknowledge that representation matters and it's important to have women uh, in leadership, people of color in leadership as well. And so because it's never happened, it can inspire a whole new generation of women to realize that they too could be a vice president or a president one day. It can inspire a whole new generation of people of color to say, I could be a vice president or a president. And so we want to acknowledge that representation is important. Uh, but at the same time, when we affirm whatever good that those women or those people of color do in office, uh, we also need to to call out whatever bad they, they do as well. That way we give them a chance to not just be okay or not just be good leaders, but to be saintly leaders. And so uh, I just want to encourage you to, yeah, to pray and to fast, to affirm whatever good is done, uh, but to also not be afraid to call out whatever bad is being done. And then also, in addition to your work with reform of our of our politicians, to look in the mirror, to look in the mirror, all of us constantly and examine our own conscience and discern if I were to die today, am I in a state of grace? Am I in a place where um, where I think I would abide with Jesus, uh, not only as I fall asleep, but abide with Jesus forever in the kingdom of heaven for all eternity? Because God created all of us to be saints. God wants you to be a saint. He wants President Joseph Biden to be a saint. He wants Vice President Kamala Harris to be a saint. He wants former President Donald Trump to be a saint. He wants former Vice President Mike Pence, former President Barack Obama, uh, former President George W. Bush, uh, Clinton, and the rest. Uh, he loves all of us so much. And so Anytime we are aware of the imperfections of others, I think we do have a responsibility to take those places of awareness to prayer and to fasting and to penance. Uh, and, and insofar as we're able to, to communicate to that, to communicate their, their good to them, to affirm their good, but also to really invite them to, invite them to change, uh, to have a metanoia, to have a profound conversion to, to, to Christ and to the gospel. So that's what I think, Liz. Let me know if that was helpful.
We're going to take a quick break, and when we get back, we are going to address fighting thoughts of temptation. Do you find it difficult to enter into the mysteries of the rosary? What about personally applying them to your life? Drawing from the writings of the saints, the Bible, and Catholic tradition, Matt Fratt has produced Pocket Guide to the Rosary, a masterful work that teaches Catholics how to truly meditate on the mysteries of the rosary, how to pray the rosary like the saints, and so much more. If you're looking to deepen your prayer life and improve the way you pray what St. Padre Pio called the weapon of our times, we invite you to check out Pocket Guide to the Rosary by Matt Frad. To order, visit ascensionpress.com or Amazon. And we're back. Quick reminder, you can hit me up with your own questions at www.ascensionpress.com slash askfatherjosh. Final question comes in from Anonymous. How do we combat unwanted thoughts that pop into our heads? Personally, there are two types of thoughts that haunt me, perverted thoughts and self-loathing thoughts. And the second tends to follow on the heels of the first. I've been trying to cry out to Jesus, Mary, and the saints when it happens, but it still happens all the time. What can I do? Well, uh, I guess a, a few things. Number one, what do you do throughout your day? Like how much television do you watch? How much music do you listen to? What kind of books are you reading? What are you exposing yourself to on social media? All of those things can impact us um, whenever we don't want them to impact us. So if you're like watching a lot of like trashy TV shows, listening to secular music that is trashy, reading books that are explicit, listening to podcasts that are, are comedy shows or documentaries that are vulgar, then they are going to have a lasting impact on us throughout the rest of our day. So I would encourage you to fast from all of that which is not good, true, and beautiful. Uh, in addition to that, uh, I would encourage you to just fast in general uh, from from pleasure because it's pleasurable to think about thoughts that might be perverse, but they still give the person pleasure to think about. And so if you can fast from pleasure in other areas of life, sometimes it can be easier to eventually begin to deny yourself um, the pleasure of entertaining those thoughts that are just not good. Um, I also would encourage you to pray out loud. Whenever we pray silently, sometimes we get distracted and we stop praying. And so if you pray out loud, the rosary out loud uh, with the beads in your hands, with incense or with a candle that's lit, uh, if you read scripture out loud, that's really helpful. Whenever Jesus Christ was tempted by Satan and he was only tempted by a suggestion, never by delight or consent, but when he was tempted, he prayed scripture out loud. And so get the Bible and start reading word of God out loud. Put on the movie, The Passion of the Christ, uh, or the, the Chosen series, or, or one of all Mike Schmidt's videos, right? Uh, begin to listen to praise and worship music. Uh, and so you, you pray with your senses, but do it out loud. Uh, I, I think the rosary, in addition to praying out loud, that can help you to focus on Jesus. The rosary is just beautiful because when we, when we meditate on the life of Christ, we begin to pray with our imagination. Uh, when you immerse yourself in holy images, artwork and movies and holy songs, scriptures being sung and the word of God being proclaimed, we begin to make our imagination a very sacred place. And if we pray with our imagination, the devil can't play with it. It's also really good to go out of yourself and to serve others. Uh, and to not be idle. And so uh, if you struggle with um, being idle, then come up with a practical, consistent rule of life that is keepable for you. That includes prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. That includes going out of yourself to serve other people uh, who are less fortunate. 
And I, 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 yeah, so I, I think those are just some practical things that you could do, but, but certainly praying out loud the second the temptation comes, right? Uh, proclaiming God's word the moment it comes, the moment that thought enters, the moment the devil comes knocking at your door, begin to proclaim God's word. Exodus 14, 14, God says, I will fight for you. So I want to invite you to let God fight for you by just proclaiming his word. Continue to cry out to Jesus, cry out to Mary and the saints, but do not give into self-condemnation. That's not of the Lord. You are on your path to becoming a saint, but the journey to being a saint is a long journey. Uh, saint Mary of Egypt, she is one of our early church mothers. She was, she was like a prostitute for many years from like a young age, I think she was a prostitute for 17 years of her life, and she did it not for money but for pleasure because she enjoyed sex. It's like some people enjoy pornography or masturbation. She just enjoyed sex. Uh, and so whenever she repented, as she went to the desert, she said for like the first 17 years in the desert, she struggled with those thoughts. So even after you pray and fast and do acts of service, you probably, you might still struggle with the thoughts. So give yourself time. Don't put a timetable on when you're going to find freedom. That's never healthy because then you're like, okay, in like a month or a year, it's going to happen. No, just stick to it. Just stick to praying and fasting and almsgiving in God's will, way, and time. You'll find freedom. And that might be while you are on earth or it might be when you get to purgatory, St. Marky Tai Ching, he was an opium addict, a drug addict, and he prayed and fasted and went to mass and all that daily. And he struggled until the day he was martyred. So you might struggle with this for the rest of your life. You might find freedom before you die. But regardless, you're being called to pick up your cross and to follow Christ. You're being called to pray, to fast and give alms. In the Bible, Jesus says, when you pray, when you fast and when you give alms. He doesn't say if you pray, if you fast, and if you give if you give alms. So you need to pray, you need to be fasting, you need to be giving alms. Period. Like there's no like maybe every now and then, well for Lent or for Advent. No. All the time, year round prayer, year round fasting, year round almsgiving. And and then just keep your eyes on Jesus' love and mercy. And if you fall, go to confession, receive his mercy, get back up, keep walking, and trust that God doesn't love you any less because you're struggling. Uh, whatever your struggle is, the Lord loves you. He sees you, he knows you, and he wants you, period. With all that being said, my voice is super exhausted, and I really just want to go sit before the Blessed Sacrament right now with Jesus. And so I'm going to go do that. Uh, I'm going to go sit with Jesus, and I'm going to pray for you, and I invite you to pray for me. That um, Here's how you can pray for me. Pray for me that I will um, always long to abide in relationship with Jesus. Yeah, pray for me for that grace, that I will long, that I will desire to love the Lord more and more and more. Uh, yeah. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. God bless, and I will see you or speak to you. I will be with you in prayer until next week. God bless. <laughs>